welcome back to another criminal episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy who should be out stealing for a living. Oh, hey, Alex Dandino. Oh, hey, yeah. All right, before we kneel greased up before our Lord, Alex, <laughs> for his last delight of the Good month, God. a little bit of business, guys. It's official. We are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. The best way to support the show. Uh, the best way to have your voice heard in the show, man. Be part of our crew. We got a good crew. We got a good crew over here. Uh, so, guys, you can get in for as little as a dollar a month. Meet all our awesome friends over there. You can get uh, our massive Patreon exclusive library. You get commentaries. You get mini series. You get a vote on Patreon exclusives every month. For next month, the October Mega Marathon, which is happening now. It's happening right now. Uh, the only way to get the episode every day for the month, the full 31, you got to be on our Patreon. Uh, we would love it if you guys come over. For those of you who already support us, thank you. You knows it means the world's to us. For those of you who are about to join the fun, thank you as well. We've actually had some new patrons pop in. It's a good thing. We love seeing that. Uh, guys, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube film, Alchemist. See our faces. See what this hard life of crime looks like on a couple of raggedy old bitches like us. Uh, email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials you're on. Uh, we would love it if you guys could help spread the word during the October Mega Marathon this year. Uh, it has been an arduous journey. And seeing everyone uh, enjoy it helps us out a lot. Uh, one other thing you guys can do to help us out takes just a second of your time. Make sure you leave those five-star rating and reviews wherever and everywhere you find the show. All right. Lord Alex, we kneeleth before you, greased in our finest gym suit. By the way, I never asked for this, but, you know. <laughs> Daddy, don't have to ask. We've already pre-whipped our asses. We kneel before you. Oh my God. We can hold on we, high. Please just talk about the movie. The final delight for your birth month. The birth month of our master. Smacking our own asses some more for upsetting you. We see the look on your face. But we think our final delight is going to be satisfactory. So to honor your Italian heritage, we bring forth Casino. <laughs> so, this is a movie that uh, I know me and you love. Yeah, I know a lot of people that kind of downplay Casino, right? They don't love it. Goodfellas watered down, all that kind of shit. I have to say, Casino is my most rewatched Scorsese. Same. It is. Same. It is his movie that when I just have that vibe, I don't know why, because I love so many of his movies. Casino is the one I just want to come spend time in. It's, I don't. I don't know how to explain it more than that. But I fucking love this movie. Yeah. So Alex. Lord, uh, if you would like to start us off, Master, Lord, Master, please start us off. You know, all the things you said about that are pretty much the same for me. I don't know why this is the one that I've, like, honed in on. Because, yeah, like, it does get this, like, weird... I mean, it's completely different from Goodfellas. But, like, it does get this weird flack for being, like, Goodfellas light. Mm -hmm. I mean... I feel like that's only because it's Joe Pesci. And, like, the Goodfellas... The Goodfellas character Joe Pesci plays is much different is a little different than Nikki Santoro but like it's still the same they're both vibe. kind of this like dark American dream yeah. thing I just I, I feel like it comes at it from a different angle I don't know maybe it's this, as, like we're getting older this one feels more comforting think, to me I don't know why I think what I like about the way casino what I like about casino is the for being a, like a, it's a three-hour movie like yeah and again, you and I have stated very clearly how often we watch three-hour movies on this show. Yeah. It is an oddly palatable three hours. Like, I mean, like... So, I'm, I paused it because I was like, wait, how much can be left? There's still an hour and a half. And I was like, wait, all the shit I love already... Ha what is happening? I'm like... Also, Hunter watched it with me, my seven-year-old. Wow, really? Good for you. Yeah. See, this is like... When it got like, to the vice scene, I was like, head under the pillow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, watching... This is another thing, too, like... <laughs> Like, I'm not saying, you know, we're not the Sopranos or anything, but my parents, hey, my, my father does have, like, some of these, like, affectations. Like, you know, there's movies when you're an Italian-American family that you're High just, Italian like, art, yeah. That you're allowed to watch that there's, like, I, I don't know what it is. It's not, like, history. Like, none of us actually lived through any of this. 
<laughs> but there are movies that like my parents wanted. You guys are like Michael Scott at the Olive Garden. I'll have the gabagool. Kind of like it is kind of like that vibe. Like there there are movies yeah. that like when you're living in an Italian American house, like they're like, oh, you know, it's okay to it's okay for the kids to watch The Godfather. Like, is it? Like, but <laughs> they this gotta was, know. But like they this, Goodfellas, Once Upon a Time in America, like these kinds of movies all sort of fit this vibe and like it's not really about like oh well we don't want our kids to see violence it's like more about like hey a lot of our family members came in through ellis island and this is what they ended up like i'm not saying like my like no one in my family was involved in organized no i get it five we'll continue yeah Yeah. but but that's exactly (laughs) kind of what it is it's like it is this weird like I don't know how to describe it, but casino notwithstanding, I like you casino. You blew my mind that when you told me Italian people don't consider themselves white. Oh, I don't think that's. Did I say that? You told me that. Oh no, no, no. When we that was something. That was something uh, someone else told me. I consider myself oh, a white guy. Okay, because sure. that like has rechanged the way. That I, no, 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 especially no. this movie. No, 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 no. This is something that I've been told on multiple occasions that I've refuted. Is a lot of people like Italian people aren't real white people. Like, Yes, they are. Like through and through. <laughs> don't don't ever say that again. <laughs> hey, I I thought that was fascinating when I heard. No, I. It's I a think weird with thing. This one, yeah. What what I like about this one, right? Goodfellas has this. It's people who are really chasing the ring, right? Yeah. Like they are violently going to take over this system, and and become a force to reckon with, right? They will no longer be stepped upon, looked over, um, anything like that. What I like about Casino. Is it it feels like this movie where these guys are just they kind of fall into a good thing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're handed the fucking ring. Yeah. And I, watching these it, it's one of those movies where it's really about what happens when you get everything you want and you still can't be happy and you still fuck it up. And I think that's ultra relatable. <laughs> that, that's a great way to put it. Like this is the way this is the difference between Goodfellas and Casino really is like. Goodfellas is about like I have no desire to ever be in part of organized crime but like Goodfellas is about how cool this felt to be a part of this thing like yeah yeah but you still got busted <laughs> yeah casino is about is for one casino is a history lesson about how corporations ruined Las Vegas and how awesome it was before before Did like they? before New York New York showed up but like I'm just saying the the movie that I saw, I wasn't like, damn, that looks more fun than no, having my three foot like, tall margarita. Have you ever thought about this? Like, <laughs> it is like there is this thing because you know, I've worked a lot in Vegas, and there is this like lament from people who live there of like, oh man, yeah. it was really nice like when people would dress up to go to a show rather than just like these like Stupid. mozzarella sticks walking in with their you know sandals and socks and just sitting down to watch yeah. Penn and Teller. Well, like, that's like when we lived in L.A. and they're like, oh god. Eagle Rock was better before, yeah, like, no, no, nice the, restaurants. There's and bars always this, like, like lamentation of, like, oh, the way <laughs> things were. And I think that's what's interesting about Casino is, like, you watch how things were and you're like, to keep things the way they were seemed really violent. Like, I don't know. Well, when they say that in, like, New York and L.A., you're like, I guess there is a culture that somewhat gets consumed when the corporations come in, right? Sure. Did Vegas have a fucking, like, culture per se or was it just this like weird desert oasis it's a desert oasis that's exactly where we all just kind of flocked and it's like well, wait this is okay out here what's interesting too is like casino factors into like if you, like because they were talking like i always think about the way casino tells the story of like the downfall of what you would consider like classy las vegas quote unquote so <laughs> but then i always think about godfather part two when um when uh, uh god damn it i can't remember that oh hyman roth describes mm-hmm. mo green's idea for this like oasis stop for gis on their way to the coast yeah and he you're like okay so this is like this is where we are like we're gonna experience this this story of like how these guys ran vegas mm-hmm. and how they lost it like how they and again yeah. like ace, ace puts it best like this is how we fucked it all up you know right it should have been perfect in the end we fucked it all up <laughs> Yeah. And so this is one thing I want to start with, right? Yeah. Because it kind of has these (laughs) James Bond intros, right? I had a feeling you were going to start with this. Fireball into like the lights of Las Vegas. I thought that was kind of brilliant. I want to talk about the use of the narration in this movie. Mm -hmm. Because it's really fast. It's one of those things like I watched a movie and it like settles on. It didn't really dawn on me. Maybe I just watch movies more passively when we're not doing them for the show. (laughs) It's so strange to me. 
that the narration because right up we start right off the bat being like oh he gets blown up we know things aren't going good right obviously this is a movie that tells you right up front like this is a cautionary tale one thing that didn't dawn on me till today nikki is narrating from hell Actually, it's interesting you would put Did that. Did he write this journal before he got it's fucking It's interesting clubbed? you put it that way. <laughs> I actually think Nikki... Nikki's character is narrated in, narrating in real time. That so is you something- think he does his final check-in before... Because doesn't... He's the one who's like, they buried us with that while we were still breathing. No, 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 no. Ace no. says that. That's, Ace says that. No, no. Remember, yeah. when that scene comes up... Actually, it's literally like a record scratch because when he gets yeah. beat with the bat, he goes, oh, in the in the voiceover. So like Nikki's voiceover is all real time. Yeah. He's never remembering as it was. He's literally like, this was great. It was awesome. No, we he, were doing this. There, but that's the weird part, right? It kind of made me laugh today because he's narrating some of it in the past tense clearly. Sure. Right. Like when he's talking shit about some of the things that happened. But I was like, that's so fucking I just love the idea. So not only is it. This kind of, they're telling us from a set future, Nikki may or may not be some kind of fucking vengeful ghost. I also like the fact we see this fucking car accident four times. Yeah. They I, keep, because not only do we see it at the start, but then when it happens, they cut back out of the car three times. Yeah. I, so I love the way they play with time. What do you make of that? I've always assumed, I, I think the, it's interesting for a movie that like should be like super, for a movie that, probably it doesn't matter to play with the timeline that much they do a really good job of making it very clean because like in any other movie of this ilk like like the voiceover too like i've always assumed nikki's doing that voiceover literally five minutes before he shows up to the to the <laughs> middle of the crops hey i'm like, bored driving through these fields like, Here he's we go. <laughs> thinking about like because that scene like that and then ace's final shot are like the really mm-hmm. climactic moments of the movie and that's where they're like remembering these things from yeah like side note i like desperately want like as i get older and my eyes get worse desperately want ace rothstein glasses that he, that he has at the end of the movie like those he's got f- kind of like the elton john version of serial killer glasses coolest. yeah they're so they cool. kind of look like a serial killer they're just but like they're just enormous glasses. yeah um, they're just high beams <laughs> but yeah like to me the timeline works really well and it's interesting because like and this is just the performance difference too is like ace has a lot of forethought and there's a lot of con- there's a lot of consideration as to what he's doing which makes the like inclusion of his marriage to ginger so weird but yeah and then nikki nikki is like nikki's this frenetic voiceover where it's just constantly like he's narrating he's narrating real-time events as opposed to like a lot of the time ace is just narrating like his actual thoughts like it's true narrow it's true like soliloquy narration i guess yeah whereas like nikki is constantly discussing like what we're watching like when like (laughs) that scene like the succession of scenes when they move to vegas and he's talking about how like the baseball coach was like literally a sheriff i'm like there's no way the sheriff does not know who this guy is yeah like it's all about the kids it's all about the kids (laughs) that's why i keep telling him you know like yeah you know it's all about the kids so fuck it you know what are you gonna do i it's such a fascinating movie to me because it moves really fast for being a three hour movie. And yeah, like you do pause and you're like, this has got to be the end, right? Like all the terrible things have happened. Correct. And yeah, but then like, yeah, there is this like other life to the movie. Like the third, the acts are so like the acts are so long, but this mm-hmm. third, that third act, like the denouement of the third act is so fascinating because you're like, I know everything's going to go bad, but like, I'm fascinated by how quickly they're going to go back. It's the Titanic setup, right? Absolutely. I know how this is going to go. No, I. so I think a good way to attack this movie, right? Because this is a big, sprawling film. And at the core of this movie, there are these three different American dream tales, right? So we have Ace, the guy who put in all the hard work and became so good as a football handicapper, right? They talked about how he had all this inside info, and he just became this money machine. He always won, right? Right. This perennial winner gets the ticket out to Vegas. You can run it your way. He even made, I have to run him. Yeah, man, that's fine. Just don't blow it. And you get to do whatever you want, right? Then you've got Nikki. He's sent out to protect Ace. 
But he starts getting it in his mind, right? He's tired of being an errand boy. He wants to make his own crew, right? Uh, right. Vegas was not ready for a guy like Nikki, Ace says, right? A real gangster is in town. Right. So he has this more forceful, I'm going to take it, right? And then you have Ginger, right? So you kind of got the guy who's trying to win within this corrupt system. The guy who is going to outcrime everyone, right? He's going to make apparent what the corruption is. And Ginger's is kind of this in-between, right? She's She's living within this corrupt system and one of the things i love about this movie is how they really highlight and show how everyone feeds off everyone else right this yeah. constant circle of corruption right as they're milking people the money just keeps flowing down through different hands and hands um i think ginger's is a more sad tale right because she has used her honed her skills that she's learned through tragedy to try to get to the top. And I actually thought her marriage with Ace was really fascinating this time. I think so, at too. at one time, yeah, she doesn't seem like she wants to marry him at the start. She just sees it as the play. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's desperately in love with this guy who seemingly has abused her. Yeah. Is constantly milking her for money, Lester Diamond. And so I, let's start Woods. with Ginger. I thought her role in the movie was much more fascinating to me today. I mean, to me, Ginger's like the purest criminal in the whole thing like she's because she has this tragic story she's not just somebody who like fell in the life or anything like that she has this tragic story she's a survivor she's gone through everything so yeah. like her criminality is based in her criminality is based in survival more than anything else yeah like and i think that that makes her that makes her more dangerous than both both joe pesci and robert that makes her more dangerous than nikki and ace you know ace isn't a dangerous person but makes her way more dangerous than nikki because Nikki's never had to do anything for survival. I think that's a really important thing about Ginger. So, like, when you start seeing her go downhill, you realize, like, all these instincts she's had for her entire life are just thrown out the window. And it's kind of fascinating because, yeah, like, I've always been very – I've always not understood, really. And watching it today, like, I've, I still don't really understand, like, besides seeing it as a play, I don't understand why she would marry Ace – but more importantly, like, and, you know, uh, Nikki brings this up in the movie, why Ace can't see the forest for the trees with Ginger. Like, he knows he's getting played. Like, there's no way he doesn't see it coming from a mile away. Well, he says, he's like, for a guy who has to know every in and out and gamble on the sure thing, I'm taking a real long shot here. Yeah. So that it's kind of this interesting intersectionality, right, where I, I Ace knows that this is bad. I think there's a part of Ace... That when you, cause I, you know, I gamble lightly. I'm not like a heavy gambler, but you know, if I'm like, well, I'm going to watch fucking football all day. Football's pretty boring without something on the line. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, I put a little money in to fucking make it exciting. And I never take the sure bet, right? I always want to hit the long shot, right? Yeah, of course. I want to pay $5 to win 500, right? It's like that never hits, but when it does. And so I think there's this thing where Ace is so in control all the time. There's something about the fact he can't handicap Ginger. Right. Yeah. That is really fascinating for him. And so I think Ginger sees it as when you start to learn more about the backstory. Right. Lester found her when she was 14, he says. Mm -hmm. So he put her to work. We don't know what kind of abuse he was doing. We're going to assume she was it's the wrong. Yeah. Kind. She was, you know, prostitute. Yeah. He definitely fucking hits her later in the movie. Right. So this is, you know, kind of has this Stockholm syndrome thing. Right. That he right. just he kidnapped her when she was vulnerable, essentially. And very Stockholm syndrome. Like, yeah. And so there's this thing where Ginger, like you said, right, when she's getting chips. Right. She's still, you know, working. Right. She's she's giving what she knows these guys want her to be and getting what she needs to keep going. Right. And it's a, you know, better version of whatever she was coming from. Right. When she decides to marry Ace, I think there again, this is another one of those wish fulfillment stories in the movie. Where, okay, why not, instead of running around hustling, I will just marry into this, right? And I will have the money. I'll have the power. I'll have the – people have to put respect on my name, right? I'll be working those rooms. But at her wedding day, she still runs in and calls Lester crying. Yeah. And so it's – she's cr calling the last guy who tried to overly control her while marrying the new guy who is. Right. And I think in that moment for Ginger is that she knows – that by doing this, she is losing that person that she had carved out, right? That her hard-fought freedom from both of these fuckers. Right. Granted, she's still, like, paying Lester. But, you know, maybe that's just a tax to get him away. So I, I think for her, that moment to me I thought was just 
brutal to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think Stockholm Syndrome is always the way I've seen it. Like, that is the that is the only way to explain it. Because, and, you know, Ace constantly brings up in the movie, like, you know, he's like, this Lester guy is a total loser. Like, you can't, you know, he can't hold, he, he he's supposed to be this grifter, but he's, like, terrible at it. That fucking scene when he's, like, $25,000. He's like, even if you wore good suits, which he wouldn't know what a good suit is. I was like, God, this is so, I mean, I just wanted to fucking run. Yeah. You know, because she had just come back from, like, kidnapping the child. And yeah, I, I think I think it's pretty, you know, easy to point out that by the end of the film, Ginger is reduced to just this horrifying caricature of a person. Yeah. I mean, by the end I of the I don't think movie... she gets, like, a true, I mean, you see the, like, you see the thinking behind her decisions to try to yeah. use Nikki to escape and th- but run back. I mean, I think by the end when she's, you know, in her junkie phase, as mm-hmm. it were, I don't think she's treated with the respect of the other two characters narratively. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, really, in this movie, the only one I'm not sure I have respect for any of them, to be honest with you. Like, no, I mean, narratively respected. Like, we're not honoring her journey at all. Right. She just she well, kind of is reduced to this. Well, she was a trophy wife, but now she's not. What well, is this weird like sort of up trophy? It is this sort of weird anti-feminist thing, like the whole bit, like when she spirals. And like when she has to after like um like when she comes back to the house to like get a few of her things so she can basically go uh just uh, purge the lockbox. Mm-hmm. That is one of those scenes in the movie where you're like, yeah, there is this like awkward thing about there's this like awkward thing about you know a relationship and how when things are disintegrating like you have those sorts of conversations where you're like. You see what I'm dealing with? You see what I'm dealing with here? Like, she's clearly crazy. You're, I don't want her in the house. She's going to be very dangerous. She needs to be very calm. You're like, yeah. okay. But in, like, the narrative function you're talking about, everything that happens to her within the last, like, 45 minutes of this movie is, like, so anti-feminist and so, like, unfair. Because they just put her through the ringer. Like, that's the problem. Yeah. It's like, they don't give her any sort of reprieve short of she's a thief and took the money that... I kind of wish those cops would have just done their jobs and taken her to jail and saved her life. Yeah, I do, too. Like those cops not doing any part of their job there. Like if they had just put her in the lockup for a weekend, she might have dodged that whole story. She might have cleaned up like the whole thing. Damn it, cops. But yeah, no, I mean, it because this is the thing, right? I think the last like really good scene Ginger gets is at the diner, right? When she borrows the money. She goes to give it to Lester, and De Niro pops in and sits right by her. Yeah. And he's sitting right by her, but it feels like this trap. Right? We've all been trapped in a booth. Mm-hmm. And he's just fucking going in on Lester, and Lester's not saying anything. And watching Ginger totally melt down when she sees these guys beating the shit out of Lester. Yeah. You don't have to hit him, right? Is De Niro's like, you fucking cheap pimp, whatever he's calling her. I thought that was the last kind of really interesting emotional beat for her character, right? Because there is this, she just wants to help this fucking guy. And God knows why. But I think that's, you know, life is messy like that, you know? Unhealthy or not. And she sees that even though she has all this money and respect and whatever, she can't just give him the payoff like she always has and just have that like, look, I'm helping him out. Um, and after that, yeah, she just disintegrates into this cartoon. I think the scene when we have to watch just fucking sweaty Joe Pesci, like putting her in a rear naked choke in the hotel. Yeah. I was like, fucking hell. This is because they talk about her and Ace have like a stone cold, like, you know, this play could lead us both to the grave. She's like, I know how to fucking back Nikki off. Yeah. And that's the next thing we see. And I was just like, that is a fucking brutal hit of reality. Um, And yeah, just it. I just I felt bad for Ginger. Right. And then she just dies unceremoniously in a hallway in the end. Right. So I would have liked to have explored a little more. Her struggle in this movie, I think that's kind of one of the flaws of the movie. Is that they just reduce her to this, I want gold. That's pretty much all right. she says in the second well, half of the movie is, I want him dead or I want gold. Yeah, I mean, I think like that... Like she's fucking it, Gollum or something. And again, I don't really know... She's based on a real person named Jerry yeah. McGee. And I don't... Again, I don't know a lot about... I don't know a lot about, like, actual Vegas history or anything like that. But I suppose if you're a player in that regard, that's something that... Like, you know, that's an easy trope to kind of pawn off on someone. And, like, I think another thing, like, honestly, just... 
I would go back to the beginning though. Like I don't find Ginger to be a particularly interesting character. Like I think she could have been, but yeah, had she ended somewhere, maybe, I mean, I would say what's interest. I would say like what makes her interesting is what we just talked about, which is like why she's willing to marry Ace when she very clearly doesn't want to. And he like, for some reason, just like pressures right. her into it. It's a very strange. But she's a real gangster, right? She's out totally. here doing the thing she's without real the support hustler. of a family. She's like a legit gangster. No, she's a legit hustler who's out there doing her thing. Like yeah. she, and so they I even, think they even say that like, against these two guys. She knows all the. She knows all the valets. She knows who to tip. Like everybody knows her. Everybody likes her. She's that person she knows you have the in people. town. Yeah, she knows the people. So like, and I mean like, that's something that I really like. This is something I really like about the movie is the. Like the the beats where they explain the grift, like when the um the is he is he Japanese when they talk about the Japanese the business, whale. yeah the whale, where he's like upstairs stealing all of like hotel stuff, <laughs> like dude for yeah. real, and he always wins, <laughs> always wins, and then they fuck with him by bringing him back in, and he's like forced to gamble all of his winnings away. You're like oh shit, like yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's really fascinating. So like when it comes to Ginger's vibes. Like, we never, other than, like, tipping people and when she's, like, almost gets caught stealing chips from that guy, mm-hmm. we don't really get to see her, like, operate. Like, I don't remember, like, I don't remember a scene in the movie, like, where it's really, like, clear she is, like, other than tipping people, she's, like, mm-hmm. never given the due respect of, like, oh, she's a for real smooth operator. We're just yeah. told she is a lot of yeah. times. Well, you see how she's dressed and she's working it. So you're like, all right, she's obviously like good at her crap. Uh, let's transition to Ace because I, I actually think Ace is the most interesting part of this movie. Yes. As fun as Pesci is, the fucking goddamn Godzilla of this movie. Ace's story is really fascinating yeah. to me, right? Agreed. And I love Ace's. It, it has this because he says this line at one point, right? In the casino, everybody's watching everybody. Mm-hmm. And he goes through the runs, right? And... There's so many of these scenes in the movie. I love the way he shot this where it's De Niro panning a room and then we cut to someone else who's also panning. And the way that the the, you know, paranoid view is jumping us around the room. Yeah, um, it, it's done re- to really splendid effect in that scene where they bust those guys at Blackjack. Yeah. Busting the cheats. That's like probably yeah. my favorite scene in the entire movie. Love like, that. Fucking like scene. the scene like there are incredible scenes in this movie, but that sequence is just like. That's one of those things where you're like, man, don't you hope that really happened? Like, that absolutely for yeah. sure happened where they, like, caught someone yeah. and they're like, all right, bring in Mr. Happy. And they fucking yeah. cattle prodded a guy. Like, yeah. that's... Oh, the he's ca- having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the kind of shit that's unbelievable. And, yeah, like, that whole sequence, Well, the way too, they use the paranoid view in that scene, too. Like, he gets down and gets looks down, up to see. Gets down, looks yeah. up. Oh, yeah, God. totally. Yeah. Love that shit. Like the sequence of events in that scene is so well. And then like, again, this is why Scorsese Scorsese, man. Like everything in that scene works up to like the music cues are just fucking incredible. Like, yeah, he's he's just biding his time. And then finally, like the whole thing happens. You're like, oh, shit. Wow. I bet that really took like only 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. But it's just like paced so splendidly. And then, yeah, you get this like great like. What hands you shuffle your checks with? I noticed you were doing it with your left. Can you, yeah, can, right. you do that? can you do that? No. Like, Practice like, with dude, your left. Why would you ask? Why would you answer a stupid fucking question like that? You know you're about to get your fucking I shuffle head. chips with my left. I jerk off with my left. I finger my wife with my left. Right hand, useless. <laughs> I mean, Only for that one trick. I, and again, I, I'll say this too. Like, there's... <laughs> There's a lot of great like side side actors like James Woods is I mean James Woods is a scumbag oh, yeah. now but he's very good in this movie. Kevin Pollack, I love that Don Rickles is in this movie. Like, yeah, not even being Don Rickles. Just no Don Rickles. He's just being kind of this quiet gargoyle in the middle. Yeah, of the movie, like he's yeah. just sort of just sitting there just and watching over. I, like when he approaches that dude after after the guy's trying to get out, he's like, "Yeah, hey, you won quite a bit of money there." Like you're just like. How hard was it to hold back? I don't know if you've ever... Um, you know what it is, though? I think because Rickle was such, like, a fucking notorious just crusher. Yes. Right? Just, like, this insult buzzsaw. I think there was this, like, ominous presence to him where we just kept waiting for him to explode on everyone. You know what? The <laughs> I'll post this on our Discord. Joe Bob? Jo- Joe Bob Briggs is in this. Joe Bob is the, the slots manager? The worst slots manager in the history of the world. 
He is more Joe useless Bob than tits on a bar. Work with De Niro. Yeah. Like, come on, that guy is a hero for sure. But, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. So they used they did a um, like tribute to tribute to uh, Rickles or Robert Downey on Spike TV or something like that, and they had an outtake from um, the scene where um, Rickles and De Niro are sitting in like his like little kitchen area, mm-hmm. and De Niro can't remember his lines, and uh he's like looking down at a he's like looking down at a card trying to remember his lines and rickles is like come on man what the fuck are you doing he's like what are you talking he's like you got the big pop-out trailer come on you got the like enough with, <laughs> it's like enough with this acting method bullshit like the mumbling and the mumbling just say the lines and let's get the fuck out of here what's the matter with you <laughs> like that's the kind of shit you were bracing yourself for with don rickles yeah. in this movie and it's held back to such an amazing effect you're like oh wow he's just a guy in this movie mm-hmm. it's absolutely wonderful yeah, like all the side actors are fucking fantastic, but um, I always I, I always love like those kinds of stories particularly. But Ace's story in this movie is so because again, like he's the only I don't even know if like he's the only one who's sort of playing by any sort of rules in a, a lot of ways, and it's he, weird. He thinks that he can. He thinks he's so smart. He has all the angles yeah. that he can beat this system too. Yep. Um, and his, his is a journey of ego, right? Yeah. Is he's like, all this work is finally for me. Like I get to do it the right way. Right. We see him measuring the dice and he knows everything. Uh, the scene that is just amazing is when he's fucking mad about the muffins. I want an equal amount of blueberries in every, and the guy's like, do you know how fucking long that's, (laughs) I don't care. And it's like, that's just who he is. Right. He is now this guy who can make the world. Right. Um, I just love that idea, right? A gambler who wants to take all of the uncertainty out, right? Right. Where he's like, you well, know, like, the whole name convinced. of the game is you keep him here, we'll knock him dead, and the casino always wins, yeah. right? This is a gambler's fucking dream, is it? He'll, right. And it, I think it, but he cannot, and I think that's what Ginger is. Is Ginger is his? It's it's that Twilight Zone episode, right? The the gangster who goes to hell yeah, one who can't and he lose. just wins everything yeah. every girl wants and he's like hey man what the hell like i thought this was heaven he's like oh you thought this was heaven <laughs> and his hell is that he cannot win there's no risk in life right and i think that's where ace is i think the fu- the part that's really interesting because i love when joe pesci calls him and he's like you know i'm fucking losing control you over here dressing like fucking john barrymore <laughs> with your fucking cigarette holders and your fucking robes I swear to God. And, but that's that's who Ace is, right? Like, watching him become the guy who, once he gets railroaded, right? Yeah. Knows he's railroaded. Knows that he's there at the behest of a crime family. And he's just going to get a job still doing the same thing. He can't accept it. I mean... He can't just accept his new job and run the casino. He gives himself a fucking late-night TV show. Right. I mean, this is, like, Vince. what makes... Ace starts this whole thing, and this is why... This is the only reason the movie works, to be honest with you. Because if it was, like, about a fixer who was gung-ho on doing Las Vegas. It would not be interesting at all. The reason we're so interested in Ace's story is because it literally begins with him being having to be convinced to run the hotel. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, eh, I don't like that. Like, eh, it just seems like it's a lot of exposure for what I like to do, and I don't like, you know, it's just not my thing. They literally, like, Alan King plays uh, the guy who's like, uh, guy who's in charge of the casino, or the Teamsters Fund, I don't remember. But mm-hmm. either way, He's literally like, just change your title every couple of years. You don't have to be the casino manager. You can be food and beverage guy, like those kinds of stuff. Like, it's that kind of thing that makes you interested in what Ace is going to do. So when he goes on TV and acts like a fucking psychopath, I got to be honest with you. That was one of those things where I was like, I totally agree with Joe Pesci when they were out in the desert. And I'm like, the fuck are you doing on TV anyways? (laughs) Do you know how many calls I get every day? Well, it also works really well with De Niro because, again, we see this guy. It's like he's weighing the dancers. Yes. You know, he'll kick them out. He's always on Ginger. He's just fucking on top of everyone in this horrifyingly obnoxious way. He's on Joe Bob because there were three hits on a slot machine, whatever. Right. I think what is really fat is because we know that this movie ends in calamity. Watching this man button down and work so hard and be so intense with the details being like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter you're still gonna fuck it up so that when he marries ginger it's like well we already know right uh when he goes against commissioner webb yeah like why not just say joe bob can be the cocktail yeah the cocktail waiter that's it why not he cannot 
he's he, it's because that's ego. the thing he accepts ginger but he won't accept joe bob right, right? He, he where and when he's willing to take the risk and i think in that scene right with webb is he's like i have to declare some kind of dominance yeah and Which i don't know what, what do you make of that scene i still don't understand why i mean to me it's all ego like that's really yeah. what it boils down to is he's just like this is a guy who this is a guy who was given the keys to the kingdom and it's the one aspect that he like has total control over. Like, mm-hmm. and they show us, like you're saying, like they show us, they show him weighing the dice, like knowing exactly he literally, what was the, there's one, uh, I swear to God, I think, uh, or there's like a dealer who like tosses guys like who taught you how to deal like that oh, kind yeah. of thing. Like <laughs> everything is like fine toothed combs. So when he gets to Joe Bob and he's like, how could you get, how could you get busted on three slot machines? That kind of thing. And then, yeah, like Webb coming in and having this conversation. So you're like, it's the Webb even place. agrees with him. He yeah, even no, agrees no, with him. Everything's in agreement. It's it's this other thing too, and it's kind of fascinating. And there's this there's I'm I'm not sure I buy this part because it's a little. I mean, I guess it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I've been to Nevada plenty of times. Um, the part where like they bring they like, <laughs> when they finally decide to pull his license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of a racial. There's a little bit of anti-Semitism going on here. Like, there's something not great, and literally, it's like a cowboy coming in and being like, "Well, he oh, literally says, you people will never quite get you it. You're our guest never, out here.'" And I was like, mm, like yikes. "That sounds a lot, fucking appropriator. That's a <laughs> let's bring it back a little yeah, bit, shit kicker. You know let's pull I mean? it back here, buddy. Yeah, like there's that. Let's kind not of take stuff. the high horse on the land you slaughter people yeah, away from. To like, there's that kind of stuff." where i've always assumed like that to me is that to me is what it is is like don't call me a visitor you're in my town like i am he also deals with that with pesci right where it's like he's not really one of them right again that's another goodfellas kind of riff too it's an interesting he makes money for them but he's not so he's in the thing but he's never going to be fully like a part right. of the Well, group. this is always a thing with Scorsese too. Like anytime he's done these, anytime he's done movies about any aspect of the mafia, which is, you know, departed with the Irish mob and then obviously Goodfellas and, and Casino, he's never the main the main protagonist of his movies are people who are not part of the system. Like they are outside that they're outsiders technically to that to that omerta to that system. So I've always been fascinated by his choice to make the lead someone who's not an Italian American, because that is something. And, but I also think the reason he does that is because that is what makes, that's what makes these movies accessible is like, if it's just about Italian Americans, and I'm not saying that everyone understands what it is to be an Italian American in this country, but like, if it's just about Italian Americans in a Scorsese movie, it makes it less interesting than it's about, oh, wow, it's about Ace Rothstein, who is this Jewish handicapper who was beloved by the mob. Mm-hmm. Gets sent out to Las Vegas. She's like, oh, wow, like, anybody, like, I don't, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but it's literally like anybody could be the best handicapper in the world and the mob would love you as long as you're making money for him. Yeah. Well, it also adds this extra element of always knowing that someone's an outsider. Someone's around your corner. Especially with the mafia, it becomes so totally. much scarier, which is kind of funny because in the end, Ace is the safest. Well, I mean, he even, well, I mean, he could have died if not for his. But car, how many times but... did he bring it up? I mean, like that absolutely fantastic desert scene. He even says he's like nine times out of ten when I went to meet, when I went to meet Nikki, I figured I'd be okay. This time it's about fifty fifty. You're like, yeah. Well, that's a big. I mean, it's one of those two. Every single word that Ace says, right? Like, he's so careful when he talks to Pesci. You always see him fucking swallowing his tongue. Yeah. And I think that's what comes out with Webb, right? It's like, I am so fucking sick of not being in control. Like, it's the one person you can tell the truth to. Yeah, and he just, he fucking goes in on the wrong guy. And, you know, it kind of fucks everything up from there. Um, But, yeah, I, I just thought his tale was so... And then as as his marriage is decaying, we see this man just unraveling. And there's that scene where him and Ginger have that huge fucking fight. Yeah. Oh, the one where he drags her out out, by the hair. Yeah. And he throws her out and it's fucking horrible. Yeah. And when he comes back in, he goes, honestly, I was glad to see her back. I didn't want her to leave. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's it's a weird. Well, but I mean, that that felt so true. Right. There's so many of those times when like. Me and my wife will have like a blow up 
And it's just like, you just don't talk about it. You just let it sit. And then like one of us will cave and go sit by the other. Yep. And it's like, oh, but that's I'm glad like, you're here. <laughs> that's those battles with your spouse. I do the same thing too. Like one of us all, it's usually me. Cause I just, I hate that kind of shit, but like, cause she's much stronger than I am. So like, I'm always, I'm always the one who caves first, but like, I would like to say that I take the bigger role. But <laughs> I, I always walk over. I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like whatever I did was, that was not okay. And like, you know, but like, this is the kind of crazy thing. And this is the sort of like difference in marriages too, is like, and this is actually, this is indicative of what the problem is like at the core of like what's sort of rotten at the core of Ace and Ginger's marriage is like when you have those kinds of fights, it's, it's not a reset button. Like it's not a thing where you're like, okay, well now what do we do from there? You just say it was a fight. We're moving on. Like that's the kind of thing. Ace though is this person who calculates everything. So like Mm -hmm. the last, like when he hands her the beeper, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, like you're like, yeah, Man, this is oh not going to work. When he's me, grilling her about what did Jennifer have for lunch, you're just like, fucking hell. Like, my dad used to grill me like that when, like, he knew I was out fucking around, right? Getting right. in trouble. Like, I'd come home. There was this one time, Me and Amy went parking. In, in Indiana, you pull off into these fucking cornfields, right? Yeah, yeah. And you, like, go at it for a while. <laughs> and uh, we we pulled off in this one. I was like, oh, I found a good one, right? So the next date night, I took her in there. You know, we're fucking put on an Incubus CD and fucking have some fun under the stars. Oh, shit. Like, Next thing you know, we're trying to leave, and it had fucking rained the day before. So this cornfield, just where these tractors pull in, right? Just muddy as shit. Like, couldn't get my car out. And I was like, fuck, we're stuck, and we're running late for curfew. I'm out in the fucking, like, ankle-deep mud trying to fucking push my car out. We finally get it out. I drive home. I'm like, fuck, dodged a bullet. I wake up the next day, and my dad's just sitting there like fucking De Niro. He's like, hmm, notice you were late last night. I was like, yeah, I was late. He's like, what happened? And I was like... Nothing, man. I'm just late. And he's like, hmm, interesting. Why is your car covered in mud? I was like, oh, I don't know, man. It must have been like a dirt road. He's like, hmm, those are covered in white rocks. It's brown mud. And like, just persisted. <laughs> and like, I was not going to cave, right? So I kept lying. And I, I eventually got to the point where it's like, all right, I didn't want to lie to you. We were at Cosmic Bowling and I got tired. I fell asleep at the wheel and went off the road a little bit. But I pulled back on. I woke up and I came home. And he's like, interesting. Where'd that happen? And I gave something, and I was like, I don't remember. I was very tired. I told you. He's like, hmm, puts me in the car. <laughs> and it's just driving up and down every country road that would possibly have been a route. And he's like, weird. I don't see any tires. And I'm like, fine. All right. I was, I was fucking going at it with my girlfriend. Fine. It's like, I thought that finally make you proud after all the wrestlers wear spandex and only does the play comments. I thought that'd be a happy thing. And he didn't even care. He was just so fucking stoked to bust me in a lie. So, like, when I see this movie, the De Niro thing, like, gives me fucking trauma. Because <laughs> my dad just, he kind of looks like De Niro and Tony Danza. Just yeah. has this, like, fucking violent glare of, like, I'm going to fucking grate you down to nothing. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. Ace is such a piece of shit, too, because he has, like, oh, here, I'll give you all these jewels, but they're in a box only I control. Even as he tells her all the time, I have to trust you with my life. But he never does. Like, he no. never fucking does. Well, so he doesn't trust all, he's, he's emotionally abusive just like Lester. I mean, to me, he's just cold. Like, this is, like, the thing about Ace the entire movie is he just runs cold. That's it. Like, yeah. nobody gets all of Ace. Even Ginger isn't, like, all the way in. He gives, like, this is the other thing, too, is, like, he gives so much to her, like, emotionally for him. But you're also just sitting there and you're like, dude. Are you serious? Like, you have to be more available than that. Like, <laughs> no, she's just another blueberry muffin. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly all she is. Right. What does she present out there? And I think it's it's brutal because uh, then the movie gets really rough at this age where you see the way the kid is involved, like when Ginger fucking ties that kid up, dude, or when the kid's looking out the window as they're fucking scr- or when Lester's like, I'm going to fucking beat this child up. Yeah. And so you're like, Jesus Christ, take that fucking kid out of the equation. Um. It's just, it's really hard with Ace, right? Because I think he's this fascinating guy, but again, just this micromanager that we know fails. Yeah. So watching him try to whittle everything down just becomes such a fucking exercise in despair. Right. Um, Because we can't. And this takes us to Nikki, who is the exact opposite, right? Yeah. Um, So Nikki comes out, and again, he's a guy who's always been under thumb. He's the guy who gets shit done, right? Uh, Is he says, he's like, you know, I took all the bets and Nikki made sure we always collected. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So while they're a team, they are the exact polar opposite, right? Where Ace has to know everything before he makes a bet so he can win. Nicky just bets on himself. He just runs in blind and gets the fucking job yeah. done. Um, I don't know that Nicky is an interesting character arc. I don't even know if you could say there's an arc. No, he's but just God a bull in a china damn, shop. Pesci is a fucking chainsaw in this movie. Yeah. He's so fucking good. He's so fucking funny and intense. They they kind of gave him these weird contacts, it felt like, in this movie. But he yeah. has these fucking stares in this movie. And what I always loved about Pesci, right? Because he's this, like my kid even asked, they're like, that little guy beat everyone up? And I was like, fuck yeah, he did. And he's just like, even though he's this little guy, he was always typecast as this fucking bad dude. Yeah. And you believe it, right? Like when yeah. he fucking stares at people, there is a fucking hatred like yeah. a dark a well, bezel hatred i think this is another it's thing so about good. this is a thing about joe pesci and how he how he figured out to perform like that was joe pesci like i think this yeah. is a really like i think because we just like he's been caricatured so much in our lives people forget joe pesci was an actual gangster like he was part of the mafia and he was part of the mafia like he's the reason the Va- frankie valley in the four seasons became Wait, famous what? yes he was a mafia guy I knew about the music thing. No, yeah, he was part of that. Wow. Yeah, Love like, that. he was a part of, he was, yeah. Like, the reason Joe Pesci knows all those guys is because he knows those guys. <laughs> oh, like, I, oh wait, I see. All right, I've seen some Sopranos, I get it. Yeah, yeah, but no, like, <laughs> I think the other thing, actually, the thing that I love the most about Joe Pesci in this movie is the accent he uses, because it's not, I think he's trying to do Chicago, you dumb Be, motherfucker. Because it's not because he sometimes he'll 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 accentuate on ours rather than doing like the usual like oh, wow. New York roll off. <laughs> like it's this really specific accent that always makes me laugh. Like like instead like because that scene, that confrontation in the test was like you motherfucker you. There's an R on the end of motherfucker rather than motherfucker or something like that. Like it's a really specific <laughs> accent. You it's really this, boiled down on this it's something that's always fascinated me and I've always wanted to know like what he was going for because mm-hmm. quite frankly, like it's just a really, it's a really specific and difficult accident, uh, accent to do whatever he's doing. But there's this, I, like it's when he, <laughs> it's when he's describing, I'm not going to use the word. Cause it's like, again, there's a lot of racial slurs and a lot of bad things yeah. to say in this movie, but when he's, dis- people took a stray bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, he's making fun of Italians too. These fucking, fat, these fucking fats, up there eating their treats, you know, big guts like that kind of shit. Yeah, like, it is kind of. I think maybe since I'm also a fat guy, but there is something about fat guys calling other guys fat. So I'm just like, come on, come on, let's bring it down okay. a notch, fucking okay. Pesci. You're not Sorry. a waist size twenty eight. That my scene, that scene is one of the look. I know it's not supposed to be, but this is like, this is the absurdity of like these kinds of movies. <laughs> that scene always makes me laugh because you're just sitting there and you're like, why are you doing this? Cause you're with, you're with De Niro. You're like, why are you doing this to this guy? Like he's yeah. a fucking straight lace banker. You can't do that. He's a square. You can't he's do a square. that. You can't... <laughs> I'll be in tomorrow. Fatso. I'll be in tomorrow. It's you like... better have my money. Fatso. He's like, all right, other fatso. I'll be at my desk. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know I mean? like, I can't, <laughs> but no, um, you, but like right when you, you meet put my Pesci money to in sleep. this better, movie, right? Yeah, this my guy just tells the to, to fuck off about a pen. Yeah, and Pesci just runs up and just fucking decimates him. And he's like, "Hey, you hear that? You hear that? You hear that little, little girl? You hear that little girl, Frankie? Jesus! So you know immediately this guy's like going full on. I fucking love Phil Leotardo as the side the, yeah, the side guy. <laughs> like that's like one of my favorite castings in this movie. Yeah. When all the all the Italian gangsters are fucking great. Remo, all the old guys. Scorsese's mom, I think, Scorsese, plays the mom. Scorsese's at the mom City plays Sword. fucking the guy Artie Piscano. City, I don't know his name. That the guy character? is fucking hilarious in this. The movie. character's name is Artie Piscano. Yeah, Piscano. He's just so he's fucking so funny. So funny. Movie. When he's like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, I'm fucking, fucking take a bat to the head. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm taking I'm a sorry. bat. <laughs> when his mom's go. like doing the, she like taps the tail. It's like. <laughs> it's like it's so fucking I'm sorry, mom. Charming and lived in. It's so authentic. Oh, what are you talking about? It. Expenses. What are you talking? But uh, but yeah. So Nikki just is this fucking bulldozer, right? 
he he unravels pretty fast right because his is obviously violence and crime he starts leaving people all over the desert not even in the desert a lot of times he's just fucking leaving them out in the streets yeah. to leave uh leave the fucking name right he becomes sexually entangled with ginger yep why is it that you think he decides to pull this trigger because they make it pretty clear the old guys back home have a real thing about wives yeah so pesci is definitely our devil may care character in the film he mentions a couple times if they want a war i'm ready fuck them i'm out here they're back there right he absolutely knows what he's doing why still do it why take another head straight to the crotch which is his move, which seems like a fucking subtextual, like I mean, that's what he's me, trying to do to you everyone. Just like. assume this is what reckless people do. Like, yeah, when you think you're untouchable, this is the kind of behavior you're like, this is the kind of behavior you do. So yeah. like, if no one else is going to talk about it, all right. I mean, I think he is making ace blow him in that moment. I, I mean, think, there's I that too. Cause, there cause is he's like tired of ace. Like, you know, he won't give him the ten thousand, the fifty thousand dollar marker. He's telling him about casinos, this and that. Yeah, I think there's a real hatred that this guy is up there. Well, the John because, Barrymore thing, and he's running around to the ten different cars. Right. Well, it's like but, this thing where one guy is a real gangster, the other one, other guy is not. Nikki's assumption is that Ace is trying to present himself as this real gangster when Ace is just a can't handicapper. Oh, he got really mad when that paper "I'm the Boss" came out. Yeah yeah <laughs> but like then the other part of that is like it, like the, the the black book like so like the, the the whole thing like towards the beginning of the movie like when ace and when ace and nikki are talking about nikki coming out he's like you can't fuck around out here like they've have the they have the he's like that black book's bullshit you know who's in that black book fucking jimmy hoffa and you yeah, know capone's like, still one of the two names <laughs> capone's still one of the two names in that goddamn thing like, so when it becomes a very real thing, when he actually gets put in the black book, it it creates this air of I told you so-ness mm -hmm. towards Nikki from Ace that is irrevocable damage. And that, I think, is yeah. the, the part of... That's the part of the story that I think is... That's, like, the driving force for the end of the movie is, like, it's not revenge. It's simply just, like, fuck Eunice, you know? And that's why he yeah. fucks Ginger. That's why he does all these things that you're not supposed to do because... He didn't care anymore. Like, if he can't be in the casinos, yeah. what does it matter? I don't even know if he gives a fuck about the casinos, except for that it's someone telling him no, right? I think that's like, exactly what it is. The great scenes of Pesci, right, clearly are like the vice is like one of the great yeah. scenes of the movie. You made me pop your fucking eye out for fucking Charlie M. <laughs> right? This fucking guy who just, because it also illustrates the levels to the game, right? This guy's gotten beat on for two days and he's hanging tough. Fuck you fuck your mother and then all of a sudden pesci's like all right i'll put his fucking head in a vice right then he he immediately is like charlie and charlie you made me pop your fucking eye out that fucking line delivery just fuck you me. made me pop your fucking eye out for that piece of shit charlie M. <laughs> charlie fucking m uh it's so fucking good it reminds me of that scene in the sopranos right where uh it's the Gollum episode yeah where tony's working for the the jewish people mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he starts fucking taking money and they're like i'm being shooken down or whatever uh, but before that, Tony's doing a job, right? Where he has to collect that guy so they won't get married or they will, or he wants a dowry, whatever the fucking exact setup, right? But he takes this possible groom who's going to like take a part of the hotel, whatever it is. And they're beating the shit out of him. He's praying. He's like, you know, my faith is strong. I'm not going to cave. And he calls up, uh, God, what was the old guy who was like the record producer? Uh, um, uh, it was Hesh. Hesh. Yeah. He calls him up and Hesh is like, duh he's like there's one thing no man wants to live without in this life and so tony goes back up with a pair of bolt cutters he's just gonna threaten to cut the guy's balls off and he immediately kicks. <laughs> and it's like yeah that's as easy it has to be in all these gangster movies just fucking yeah. pull out your scissors get your skizzers grab the sack pull it tight bat wing it none of these gangster movies have to exist they'd all be over immediately <laughs> but um so that scene is great right but the, the two scenes that like i really loved with pesci in this i love the thing where Every day at 6.30 a.m., no matter what he's doing or where he Always is, he goes home, home and makes make breakfast, breakfast for his kid. Too. And it's this sweet little moment, right? He kissed him like, you are such a good boy. 
I fucking love that beat. And then the one when Ginger goes ape shit in his restaurant, oh, right? Where Ace finally gets stepped and he throws around. He's like, all right, drive home safe. Right? Like overserved. Huh? And he sits on the stairs and he's out of breath. And he's just like, I fucked up, Frankie. I fucked up. Yeah. That, I fucked up good this time. That's probably my uh, favorite. That's probably my favorite Pesci moment in the whole movie is when I he finally realizes so like, fucking much. I, I this fucked was bad. Up. <laughs> I fucked up good this time. I should have never gotten involved with yeah. this fucking broad. I think most of us a couple times in our life, you've had that moment where it's like you made the choice and you immediately are like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, man, why did I? And that moment of him just sitting there on it, knowing that he's not giving up, right? He's just like, oh, fuck. Like, I know exactly. Because now they got pictures of him with her, right? Like, it's all falling apart. Yeah. Um, I just thought that fucking beat was amazing. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, Ace now knows what's going on. But uh, we got to talk about Peshki's finale. The death? Uh, just meets this fucking... That death is so fucking viscerally brutal. It's very brutal. It's so, oh my God. I think what makes it more brutal is the like record scratch. The when he gets hit, when he gets whacked the first time, you're like, that's, that's, that, that again is like one of these like really clever things. And that's another thing you're like, oh shit, he didn't like, there is no like afterlife of him. Mm -hmm. There's no afterlife, uh, narration. He's literally narrating it like on the way to the fucking cornfield. So, but yeah, I mean, just the brutality of the whole thing. And what's interesting too just is the like, sound of those bats hitting his brother while he yeah, watches. So they make him watch his brother get his ass beat, he's, and then he's still breathing. He's still breathing. Let him go. Oh Let him my go. God. And they finally like. I mean, like the makeup's awesome too. Right. Like, it's it's really great makeup. And then yeah, like when yeah. they start. Uh, do you think? Because I, I, I always thought just because of the way it looked that when they like start throwing the dirt on them, that's an animatronic, right? It did look like that. It to does me look too. like yeah, that, like correct? A mo- like a mannequin kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. But there, there's always... something about, because this is another one that's like like a Goodfellas scene, right? Where Pesci walks into the room to get made and he's like, oh no. Oh shit, yeah. Gets popped. This one is so much more devastating. Oh, yeah. Because it drags. And you're watching these old guys, like, run out of breath. It goes for a long time. A long... Has to watch his brother die. Sit with the weight of what he's done, right? Like, when he tells Ginger when they're having that fight, he's like, I've known the guy's 35 years, and I'm going to whack him for you. And, like, it settles on him, like, how fucking stupid this is. Yeah. How much he's fucked up. And just imagining what is in this guy's head. Right? Because he's become, like, a fucking cokehead, and... He's having affairs with everyone. Just sitting there in that moment in that field. Even the idea that he came to that field unprepared. Yeah. He didn't come heavy, as they say. Yeah. I'm just like, this fucking guy. So fucking insane. Well, but that, how could that you scene fuck is up just that bad and not brutal. realize you were going to get fucked with? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's fucking horrible, right? And then, it's yeah, very- we cut to our... Uh, it's a great scene, man. He's still breathing. We cut to this, yeah, Death of Vegas montage, right? The explosions, the fucking, the fucking Paul Walker crowd fucking walking fat in. Sacks fucking just walking yeah. through. You're like, Fat Fatso's, as Pesci would say. You know, us, me and you walking yeah. through the door. Oh, just, hey. Everyone's, got a, a fan, everyone's got a fanny pack and socks and sandals. Like, it's just. Yeah. Robert De Niro lamenting the, the fucking entrance of the Griffies and Dandinas of the world. Actually, my We're just favorite... like, hey, where are the B-Phase and the Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> my favorite moment is when he's talking about, uh, he's like, you want room service? You're lucky if you get it next Tuesday. Like, yeah. that's the problem here? Yeah. Oh, they don't know your name? Sorry, sir. <laughs> you know else doesn't know my name? McDonald's. They do a fine job. Admirable job. Thank you for your service. No. <laughs> But it was it was just cool, man, and uh, it kind of gave me that vibe of because uh, we run through like the montage of all the guys getting whacked, right? All the mob bosses Everybody they have their whacked. meeting in the back of the courtroom. It goes along with the montage of all the uh, yeah, all the casinos getting decimated yeah. too. And it reminded me of the finale of the Shield. Spoiler alert, where oh. we just see Ace sitting there at his desk, looking out. Now he's like his gambling has been reduced to like this prison for him now. Yeah, now he's in San Diego, like just and he handicapping just stares horses. off, looking back across the desert from San Diego to Vegas at one, what once was. I'm sure he's a delight of a guy to know now. I'm sure he's just like not bitter and grumpy as hell. <laughs> I mean, he was a swell guy when he was at his pinnacle of his power. Um, 
but yeah, man, I just, I thought it was this really just, I love the subtlety of that ending, right? Just the guy sitting there trapped. Yeah. And just being like, I fucking had it, right? And he, that's what he says, right? I wound up right back where I started. And then he talks about why I'm, you know, whatever. And then he goes, and why mess up a good thing? And that's that. That's that, right? That's the whole fucking movie, man. Like, I was there. I had it. And I lost it. Now he just has to sit out this fucking purgatory ending, sitting there football handicapping. It's brutal, man. Um, It's just, it's fucking hard. And I think that's one of the things is I, I love the moments of kind of pause in this movie. Those long, like, you know, when the plane goes down on the golf course and De Niro and the county guys are just sitting there watching this quiet, <laughs> quietly as the guys run away. Right. And you're just imagining what's going on in De Niro's mind. And there's there's just a lot of stillness in this one of people just sitting there trying to find a way to actively fuck up what they got going on. And my God, that just hits me in such an important way right now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, feel that in my bones. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. To me, this is more of a middle-aged movie than a Goodfellas, right? Like, there, there's not this youthful energy. Yeah, no. This is the guys who are taking... This is their last chance to, quote-unquote, become who they want to be before they drift off into middle age, right? And become those last-wave Vegas people. And so there, there's something about that that slowed down mentality of that that I I think adds it's it's a really nice pairing with Goodfellas to me right that's the start of the gangster journey and this is kind of the middle um, I don't know I I don't know what it is the cast is just fucking phenomenal that's the script great, is phenomenal it's shot movie, beautifully man. I just fucking love everything about it I don't know why I watch this one more than Goodfellas. I think it's maybe just the kind of it's a little bit more meditative. I don't I know think if that's it's a, little a little more bit meditative. of an overused word. I think word. what it is is that I watch it and feel like I feel like I'm not running towards the end. Like this is a really important thing about Goodfellas versus this movie is like this is the pace in Goodfellas is so frantic as Henry Hill is literally like coked out of his mind for like half the movie. This one you're following with Ace, and Ace is very slow and steady, and that's his, that's the gimmick. That's the beat of the whole movie. So, like, for a movie that is, as I found out, apparently it is, um, it holds the record for the most dialogue spoken in a movie. Which that surprises seemed, me, honestly. It surprised the hell out of me. It's sixty-seven thousand six hundred eighteen spoken words in a screenplay. Wow! Hell yeah. I honestly, I you know, I'm sure the last Tarantino movie will for sure be beating that. But either way, <laughs> like for a movie that has that many words, and but yeah, I would have thought something like Hateful Eight or something. Yeah, like but for a movie that has answer. that many words, for it to be that meditative to me is what makes Casino the makes Casino probably my favorite Scorsese movie. Yeah, it's just it's a fucking great time, man. That's it for Casino. That's it, Daddy. I hope you liked your delights, Daddy Daddy. It was a great month. I really love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday month to our dear daddy, Alex. Uh, the pod delighted Dan Dino. Now it's time to move on. We we plod from our fucking lowly sub life beneath Alex in his dungeon. We plod our way down even whole further dungeon. to the edge of the horror beast. That's right. Next week begins the October Horror Mega Marathon. We have a lot of words and names for this now. It's the October Mega Marathon, right? 31 days, 31 pods. Uh, A horror movie bonanza, because we are horror movie lovers over here. October is definitely the best time of the year. Halloween is definitely my favorite uh, holiday. So we decide to go big every year. We can announce on the show we are covering the entire Hellraiser franchise, all 11 of the movies, including the new release that's coming out on Hulu soon. Oh, yeah. And we will be covering the entire Wishmaster franchise as well. Oh, yeah. Then we will have a a cadre of amazing guests bringing their own horror movie picks that you guys will be excited by, I promise you. And if you want to get the remaining couple episodes, you have a pod every day, you got to go to patreon.com slash film alchemist pod where you can find our patreon exclusive horror movies and our commentary on 13 ghost so it is going to be an amazing fucking month guys if you would be so kind go to patreon.com slash film alchemist pod show some support to the show uh go to your socials 
Share everything you can about the October Mega Marathon, man. Let's bring as many people in as we can. It's our favorite time of the year. We put in a ton of work all year to get to this moment. And it's always amazing when we finish it. <laughs> and we want to see uh, that you guys are all enjoying it with us. You can uh, watch our podcast on YouTube, Film Alchemist Pod. Uh, just Film Alchemist. Just Film Alchemist. That's it. Sorry, my brain's rushing. I'm feeling like uh, Joe Pesci after I just made a bunch of mistakes. Uh, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you leave those ratings and reviews. More than anything, prepare thyself for 31 days of horror goodness. Horror goodness. With me and your old pal, Daddy Dandy. That's me. Please, please. We don't have a safe word rolling into October. Nope. Safe Maybe word is November. <laughs> it's Pinhead. <laughs> the safe word is november (laughs) all right we'll see you guys soon with hellraiser 2 bye what about the first hellraiser well that happened in june oh yeah that's true we're so tits deep in the flesh (laughs) bye again